Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan brings us a sermon called God's Love With Us Always. It explores the transformational news that God's love is with us. It comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. So we are going through Advent as we light the candles each week, and they all represent something different. The first week we went over hope, the second week was peace, last week was joy, and this week is love. And as we lit all those candles and as we kind of figure out preaching assignments, uh, Russ gave me this one, and, and I don't know why. Maybe he didn't want to talk about love. <laughs> I... The thing is, I don't really want to either. It's been, <laughs> it's been a hard year to love. It's been a hard time to love these past two years, and I must admit, I must be honest with you, that I haven't loved well. Sometimes pastors don't, you know, use honesty enough in their sermons, but I'm telling you, I have not loved well. You may say, no, Jordan, you have loved perfectly well. We see you every week. We feel loved by you. Yeah, but I haven't loved well on the inside in my heart. There have been times this year where I've been cynical, that I've been stereotyping people, that I've made quick judgments on people just off of one interaction with them. And in many ways, over the past couple years, my, my hope in humanity has kind of diminished. It all started, I think, at the beginning of this pandemic where it felt like this was the moment meant for Christians, for the church. This was the moment that we are to give of ourselves, to self-sacrifice, to help others, to love our neighbor as ourself. That's what our faith is about. That's what it's been preparing us for. That's what we hope the Spirit of God is changing in our hearts. And there's many definitions of love, to love our neighbor. What does love mean? First, First Corinthians 13 is often the one we go with, right? Love is patient, love is kind. But I think there's also a good one from uh, 1 John 3.16. And it says, this is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But yet, the Christian community at large, I feel like in America, started to do the opposite. And now we became filled with anger, self-righteousness, selfishness rather than love. I think a veil has been lifted through all this. A veil that, uh, was, that shows now that we're more aware of the values that we each hold without even saying a word to each other. When we go to the grocery store, we immediately have thoughts in our head if we see somebody with a mask or without a mask, right? We immediately make assumptions of who they are and what they value. A veil has been lifted. So then we categorize each of these uh, people or groups of people with the assumptions we make about them. And especially if we believe that person is on our team or not on our team. And if you're not on your team, then they're viewed as the enemy. Now there's somebody that's in the way of your hope, peace, joy. So now you can no longer love. 
I've let cynicism judge, I've let my cynicism make me judge people quickly and permanently. I've let it get in the way of me loving my neighbor this year. Now, I want to give a a little disclaimer that when we talk about love and we talk about uh, loving others, even if we disagree with them, that doesn't that doesn't mean we don't have boundaries, that we don't keep people accountable, that we don't, that we just say all oh, love and, and let things go. But that's a whole nother sermon, right? But to love is to be able to remove our barriers we have between us and others. The barriers that we can choose to pick up or put down. So in our scripture today, we heard from uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who are celebrating the birth of their son, John, who's later to be John the Baptist. And they're, you heard in the scripture that they're going to name him John. And everybody's like, why would you name him John? You should name him Zachariah. This is how things work. You name them after the father. And then they asked the question, what is to become of this child? Like this was an earth-shattering thing that they were going to name him something different. It may seem silly to us now, but it was a big thing then. There's a lot of things now that are serious to us that maybe in 50, 70 years will seem silly to people, right? So their tradition was being broken with this naming of John. And the people seeing that could not see that there's a new thing that God was doing in their midst because they were so stuck on the tradition that they held. And that was the barrier keeping them from seeing this new love that God was bringing into the world. It's commonly thought about that, uh, we commonly think that people who are closest to God are the ones that love the best. But most often, the ones who who seem closest to God often become the barriers to what God's will is and what God's work is in the world. We think maybe it's the unbelievers or uh, the skeptical atheists that are in the way of God's will, but most often as Christians who are holding on to something so tightly that they can't see the actual will of God in front of them. They're holding on to their will, their traditions, values, assumptions. So I believe within religious systems we have a little bit of a problem, and that problem is that we run into things assuming the inverse of Scripture sometimes. And let me explain kind of what that means. That means that when we hear Jesus say, love your neighbor, the assumption we make is, well, then I don't have to love those who aren't my neighbor. We see this most commonly in the the, um, Good Samaritan story where they are asking Jesus, when Jesus says, love your neighbor, and they say, well, who is my neighbor, right? They're trying to find a way of, who do I not have to love, right? So we make these assumptions within, and when we hear God's word in scripture, and those are some big barriers that get in front of us, that get in front of love. That's why it's so easy for us to hate on celebrities, politicians, billionaires, they, they're people that don't seem real to us, right? They're not the people in front of us. It's so easy to hate on them and not view them as our neighbor. 
So we go on hating and criticizing and not thinking anything of it. All the while, that has an effect on our heart and soul. So these assumptions we make, the assumption that maybe those people aren't my neighbor, that I don't have to love them. Jesus knew of these assumptions in his time. Jesus knew that people knew to love their neighbor because it's in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. But people then assumed it was okay to hate your enemies, right? That's the other thing of this is, I don't have to love my neighbors, but even yet, I have enemies. I don't have to love them. In fact, I want to hate them. They are the barrier between me and peace, joy, and love. So Jesus comes and says, you have heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, Love your neighbors and love your enemies. Jesus is trying to subvert these assumptions we make about God. So often we get into trouble not because we're not holding to God's commands. There's a lot of Christians that want to police others that they are not holding to God's commands. But that we are holding assumptions that we've inferred into God's commands. And so there's a couple other ones that we can give as examples of what this means. We have in Genesis 1-1 that God created the heavens and the earth. And maybe one of the assumptions we have made as a, a larger Christian group is that, well, science is a lie then. Then we have from Exodus 23, verse 9, do not oppress an immigrant. The assumption we make from that then is do not oppress a documented immigrant. And then we have 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. And then we make the assumption that God agrees with me and I don't have to change. God loves me because I agree with God. But those that don't agree with God, eh, God's kind of skeptical about. These are some of the assumptions we put into Scripture, the things we put on to the words of God that aren't necessarily there. In our scripture today, Luke is preparing the readers of the scripture to see that God, in fulfilling his great promises in the Old Testament, is going beyond merely just a worldly view of salvation because it's opening a whole new door to what salvation can be. A new world in which sin and death themselves will be dealt with. But for the audience at that time, their thinking was that salvation was a political salvation. That those people who dislike us, who have oppressed us for so long, are no longer going to be in power, but we are now going to be in power. We get our turn. This is the salvation that God is bringing. You saw that within the disciples all throughout Jesus' ministry, that they always thought that Jesus was going to bring this this, uh, revolution, that there was going to be a war to take down the Roman Empire. And so when Jesus died on the cross, in humility and sacrifice, they were greatly confused by what was going on. But Jesus is bringing out something more than just what's going on physically in our world. Our expectations, values, assumptions, just like we saw with the disciples and with the people around Zachariah and Elizabeth, They can get in the way of understanding what God is really doing in our midst. 
Christians who are called to love may often fail to love others because we're stuck. We're stuck in our ways. We, we believe this is how it's always been. That's kind of the hard thing with traditions, right? We're like, this is how it's always been. That's how it's always been for you, right? Even church, Christianity, we have lots of traditions. PCUSA has been around for a long time, but things always change. We're a reformed body. Reformed bodies believe that we are reformed and always reforming, which means that we cannot get stuck in one way for too long, that God is moving, that God is doing something new. So we try to set up a system that helps us to not get stuck. But we're not immune to that either. So when we get stuck in our ways, this puts on these blinders that we cannot see anything else but that. And that becomes the focus instead of loving our neighbor. That this, this thing isn't happening. So I don't have to love them. It's not falling in line with what God wants. Another story that kind of helps give some more perspective on this is, do we have any history buffs in here? People that just love history? Raise your hand. All right. If I'm wrong, tell me later, okay? (laughs) I got... (laughs) Yeah, so... um, Roger Williams was a pastor and theologian in early colonial America, and he came over here from Europe. And this, what happened then when pilgrims came over and Puritans started to take over, what they actually did at the beginning in Boston was that they had a state-sponsored church. That they actually left, we always talk about they left Europe for religious freedom, right? But they left Europe for religious freedom to do what they want to do and not have to be under the Church of England's law. It wasn't necessarily that people could have religious freedom, but they wanted their own religious freedom. So they had churches, and these were mostly Congregationalist-type churches uh, within the Boston area that were all state-sponsored. And the government and the law was under Christian law. So let's say somebody was called caught in adultery. That, in the Bible, is wrong, right? So then they would, um, they would punish and prosecute on that. So Roger Williams comes along, and he sees all this, and he's like, I don't think this is okay. I think there should be a separation of church and state. I don't think we should uh, punish people by our own uh, religious convictions, And so he talked about this, and he started speaking about it, preaching about it, telling people about it. And in 1635, he was convicted of sedition and heresy because of his views. They declared that he was was spreading diverse, new, and dangerous opinions. Whenever there's a threat to power, people start to get mean. So then they ordered him to be banished, and they, they banished him in the middle of winter, sent him out of town in the middle of a blizzard, just hoping uh, nature will take care of him out there. So what happened was the local uh, tribe of Native Americans near there actually took him in, and they cared for him for three months. So then Roger Williams came back. You know that thorn in their side? 
he came back and he, not only was he still speaking about the separation of church and state, but that also that the Native Americans should be treated equally. He was even advocating that they pay, that the colonists pay for their land that they took. He said this about the Native Americans. He said, boast not proud English of thy birth and blood. Thy brother Indian is by birth as good of one blood God made him and thee and all. As wise, as fair, as strong, as personal. So, roughly, summary, not in Old English, it's there are equals. They're the same people that God created as us. We're no better than them. That we should care for them and respect them just as much as we do each other. We're not superior to them. As you can see, Roger Williams was pushing the, some buttons here, both in the separation of church and state, and then also of how people treated Native Americans. And so the people that were in power, the people that believed all these things were holding on to this tradition or how they viewed things were supposed to be that they couldn't see the new thing that God was doing. They held on to that. That was their barrier to love the Native Americans, their barrier to love people of other religious convictions. When we try to make everyone like us, think like us, believe like us, then we begin to lose sight of love. We just want people to be replicated as us. We end up not loving our neighbors at all. We only get frustrated with them, we begin to hate them, we make assumptions about them. So I have not loved well. I have done those things. I have had barriers in my way to love others. I have made assumptions that people that I disagree with, that it's just lost, that I don't need to love them. I just need to love the people I agree with. I've put the certain things that are more important in front of loving my neighbor. I've had my own prejudice be a barrier. Maybe you have too. Maybe that speaks to you. Maybe that feels familiar to you. Maybe it's something you didn't know until now that it started stirring up that you're like, oh yeah, I think I've been doing that a little bit. I think one of the greatest things about when we fail to love is that God doesn't. That we light the candle of love today to remind us that God's love is with us always. That God's love somehow finds a way. That even when there's a barrier between humanity and God, God comes down in the form of a baby, becomes human, and then trusts that same humanity that he created that turned on God to take care of him as a baby, to raise him as a child. God's love keeps finding a way. God made the choice that there's no longer this barrier between God and humanity. That if we're going, that God came to us to show us that this love, to create, to drop these barriers, to let love flow through us, to let love truly come into our hearts, then it's going to change our lives. Now we can make the choice if we're going to let that love work through us or not, if we're going to keep our barriers up or put them down. Zechariah 
let God's love flow through him. He had that whole beautiful poem that he was talking about, and he was seeing the new things that God was up to, that love was changing his heart. And if we let that same love change our hearts, then soon the people that we believe to be our enemies will start to see them as our neighbors. The person that you thought was dead wrong suddenly is showing you maybe a broader, more diverse view of the world, giving you perspectives that you didn't have before that you maybe shut yourself off to. But my question for you today is what are the barriers that keep you from love? What are the barriers in your life? What are the barriers in your own heart that keep you from seeing others as equals instead of your enemies? Maybe it could be politics. Maybe it could be old wounds that haven't healed. Maybe your assumption of certain types of people or people groups. Maybe it's fear. Fear of the unknown. I think that's kind of the core of all of it, right? No matter what barrier we have, at the center of all of it is fear. It's fear of losing control, fear of going into the unknown, fear of being hurt, fear of losing some kind of world that you thought we had. Fear kind of is at the core of this. And I think at this time of the year, we also think that maybe grief is a barrier to love. This is a time of year that's hard for many that have lost loved ones, that, that know that their loved ones are no longer here to celebrate the holidays with them. And we think maybe that is a barrier because the world feels uncomfortable with that, right? The world wants you to be happy. It's the holidays. Be merry. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. When it's very not merry or happy for some. But what grief, but what if grief isn't a barrier? I, I know many of you probably haven't seen this, but some of you have, but there's a, there's a Marvel TV show called WandaVision, and there's a profound statement in that show. Uh, in this show, there's um, Wanda, who is the woman there, and Vision, who is not human. He's a robot or something like that, right? And uh, this is them talking. She had lost her brother. And she was grieving the loss of her brother and how it, it hurts. And Vision had said to her, what is grief if not love persevering? And so as we go into the holidays, maybe grief isn't the barrier, but grief is actually still love, persevering for those that you have lost or the things you have lost, the relationships you have lost. And that's why we have the longest night. That's going to be on Tuesday at 7. And that's, we do that because we give people space. It's not always happy holidays for everybody or Merry Christmas. It is a time of grief, but that grief is showing the love we still have for our loved ones who are no longer here. We all have barriers in our lives when it comes to love. Maybe you don't know what it is right now. Maybe it'll show itself to you later. You don't have to solve all the barriers at once. Let me get you off the hook there, right? You don't have to go home today and make a list of everything. But maybe just one thing. In the next week, just one thing that you think is a barrier for you from loving your neighbor. 
Maybe give it a different perspective. Maybe, maybe kind of examine it. Why is that the barrier? What am I feeling with that? What's the fear behind it? So how can you make the choice to drop that barrier and simply love others this Christmas? Because when you start to do that, when you start to let God's love flow through your heart, through your life, it'll start to change you, and it'll start to change the world. Amen? Would you please pray with me? God, as we enter this final week of Christmas, some of us are panicky. There's a lot of things left to do on the list. Some of us are still feel filled with our grief and sadness. And maybe some of us aren't feeling anything. Now we're just kind of numb to it all, numb to everything that's gone on in the world. That feels pretty hard to be merry this Christmas. May we see those barriers that keep us from loving others. May we be able to put down those barriers, to let your love work through us, the love that never stops, the love that is always with us. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.